Thank you very much, ladies, for ministering in music. A time like this in history, a debate, you know, what do I share, what do I speak on? And I thought, well, I'll just continue in Peter. And as time went on, I thought, no, I'm not going to talk about the virus situation directly, but you know, dealing with things that happen in life. We're going through something at this point in time that is not happening every month or every year. And we want to trust God in the midst of it. We want to walk well. We want to live well. We cannot control our circumstances, but we can control how we respond to our circumstances. We can rest in an uncertain world as well as national events. And whether we realize it or not, I think we all do. When things happen in our world, you know, we are deeply impacted. Other events have taken place in history. 9-11, World War II, stock market crash, World War I, Civil War, 1918, where there were thousands of people that died. And we could go on and on. So this morning is not so much preaching as much as encouragement that trials in life are not to be avoided, but opportunities to experience Christ. It's not what happens to us, but what happens in us and how we respond. So just a few thoughts as it relates to life, uncertainties in life. And first of all, I think we need to acknowledge time and time again in life, at a time like this as well as other points in our own history and world history, that God is sovereign. Acknowledging God's sovereignty. Let's take our Bibles and go to Psalm 93, and my intent is not to expound any particular passage. We'll refer to a number of passages, read them, maybe a few comments. But in Psalm 93, we can rest in God, rest in the Lord in whatever comes. The Lord is in control. You know, God's not taken by surprise. He's been around much longer than we are, and he's aware of all the world events that have happened. Psalm 93, the Lord reigns. He's robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and is armed with strength. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. The seas have lifted up, O Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. Mightier than the thunder of the great waters. Mightier than the breakers of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Your statutes stand firm. Holiness adores your house for endless days 
O Lord. Reminds us that the Lord reigns. He's robed in majesty. He's armed with strength. And many times it is good to take scripture and kind of mentally step back and ponder it and think about it, meditate upon it, that we can rest in the storm. The Lord is sovereign. He is in control. And we live in light of his character. So acknowledging the Lord's sovereignty. Secondly, choosing to trust the Lord when it's dark. Let's go to Job. Book before the Psalms, Job chapter 38. Now keep in mind that Job had lost his wealth. He lost his children. Lost his workers, with the exception of a few, all on the same day. And the scripture would tell us that Satan came again to the Lord and brought up the issue of Job again. And the Lord said, or rather Satan said, you know, the reason Job follows you is because you protect him. And the Lord gave Job, I'm sorry, gave Satan permission to attack Job's health. And we know that Job lost his health. And that went on for a period of time, and Job's three friends came to him, and they sat with him for a week. And then they started to respond after seven days, and basically, as you read through Job, there was retribution theology. Job, you must have done something wrong, or this wouldn't be happening. You had to do something wrong for this to be happening And Job, along the way, requests an audience with God. God, I'd just like to talk to you. I'd like to have a little interaction with you. And in Job 38, we find that that becomes a reality. Job 38 and verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know who stretched out or stretched a measuring line across it. On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who shut up the sea behind doors? When it burst forth from the womb, when it made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness, when it fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, this far you may come and no farther, here is where your proud waves haunt. Have you ever given orders to the morning 
or shall the dawn its place, that it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it. The earth takes shape like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light, and their upraised arm is broken. Have you ever journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death ever been shown to you? Have you ever seen the gates of the shadow of death? Have you ever comprehended the vast expanse of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. And he goes on in chapter 38 and 39. And in chapter 40, the Lord again says, Job, I'm going to question you further. And he does that in chapter 40 and chapter 41. And if you read through that, I have found Job 38, 39, 40, and 41 to be some of the most comforting scripture. Because I can't answer any of that. Nor could Job. Someone bigger than Job was asking some questions. What is Job's response in chapter 42? Then then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things well, and the plan of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. From what we know in the book of Job, Job got his audience with God. He had his quiz from the Lord. And the Lord is basically saying, Job, you have me. Job says, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Have we ever considered that answers do not satisfy? Because if we get one answer, we just want another answer and another answer. Explanations do not satisfy. They may not be wrong, but they don't satisfy. The Lord is saying, Job, in the midst of the death of your ten children, in the midst of the loss of your wealth, in the midst of losing your health, in the midst of losing most of your workers. You have me. We choose to trust God in the dark. We may not understand, but we can walk with God. We can live well. We can live effectively. And tied in with Job, let's go over to Philippians chapter 4. Many times we quote Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
We want to begin with verse 4. And this also comes in the context of a book of joy, some difficulty and some friction among people in the church in Philippi in the context of wanting to know Christ. But he says in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. We trust God in the dark. One of the ways of doing that is rejoicing in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoicing in the Lord, reflecting on his names, reflecting on his attributes, reflecting on his character, reflecting on his works. Just rejoicing in the Lord. Rejoicing in Christ. Many times, circumstances cannot be changed. But rejoicing in the Lord can be a reality. Then he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The idea of gentleness and letting it be evident to all is circumstances that come into life are accepted not resisted and allowing God to respond. Trusting him in the midst. Let your gentleness be evident to all. God has allowed the world to be in its present condition, our country to be where it is today. God in the past Allowed many things to happen, some good, some not good. Gentleness, accepting that without resistance, not being bitter and not fighting it, but embracing it. And then he says something interesting the Lord is near. Where's the Lord? He's near. He goes on then, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition. You know, if trials in life come and people can get very anxious. And I don't understand all the dynamics and I'm not going to try to figure it out. Why is everyone buying toilet paper? You know, I'm not trying to figure that out. Hand sanitizer. You know, there's other things now too. And I, I'm not knocking any of that. But people are anxious. I've got to be careful who I hang with. Because, you know, what might happen? And if we lose some work over this, you know, what's going to happen? You know, the nation is going to, you know, give some money. You know, where's this money coming from? And you can just go down the road as far as you want with anxiety. And Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. The idea of anxiety is just things going through your mind over and over and over again. But he says, in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Take all these going in a million different directions, bind them together, and talk to God. 
as often as you need to do that in a given day, as as often as a church, a family, a nation needs to do that, do it. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Hearts ties in with emotions, not limited to that, but definitely involve your mind, your mental well-being. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding. I may have mentioned J.T. Miller before, a fellow that Ruth Ann and I knew when we worked in a church in Scottsboro, Alabama. He got a call on Sunday afternoon stating that his oldest daughter and his oldest granddaughter had both drowned. His oldest granddaughter was uh, jumped in the creek and got distressed, and then his daughter jumped in to try to save her daughter, and they both ended up drowning. And the next morning, JT and I went to uh, breakfast together, and someone came up to JT and said, JT, how are you doing? And he said, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm struggling, but I'm doing well. He was hurting terribly, but there was a peace in the midst of the storm. We trust God in the darkness, whatever the darkness may be. And we go to him in prayer because he cares, as brought out in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. We acknowledge God's sovereignty. We choose to trust in the dark. And then we choose to recognize we live in a broken world. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. In the first part of chapter 8, he talks about the Spirit. You know, the Spirit at work in believers. There's life in the Spirit. Be a yieldedness to the Spirit. And the Spirit himself testifies that we are children of God. You know, we can cry, Abba, Father. For children, then heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And if we share in his suffering, we'll also share in his glory. But picking up with verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And it seems like the Romans were going through suffering and some difficulty. And some of that tied in with their just walking with God. But he goes on in verse 19, The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Now notice as he discusses suffering, he says the creation is waiting in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Creation 
being liberated from its bondage to decay. And we know that the curse back in Genesis chapter 3 not only influenced Adam and Eve, it influenced our earth, our world. In verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what, is already, what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So we think about what is happening in our world. We think about what is happening in our country. What has happened at various points in time in history. The earth is involved in the curse. And it's going to be liberated. New heaven and a new earth someday in the future. And in that context, notice what he says in verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. He goes on and then talks about, you know, God works all for good and who can be against us and Christ intercedes for us. In the midst of trials, we recognize that there's a liberation coming. And until that becomes a reality, the whole creation will continue to groan. But in the meantime, the Spirit intercedes. Christ intercedes. God remains at work. We acknowledge God's sovereignty. We choose to trust in the dark. We choose to recognize we live in a broken world yet at this point. But in that brokenness, God does work. We choose to honor our national and state and local authorities in light of counsel and direction they give and pray for them. We choose not to fear. Sometime when you read through the Bible, keep a list of how many times fear not is mentioned. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6 appears in the context of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus, as he talks to people, 
give some teaching along the way. And in verses 19 through 24, he has encouraged those who are listening to him. And I think applicable to us today, not storing up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And it's in that context he says in verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and let your he- yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? If we follow the news at all, we know that the stock market for a couple of days got hit pretty hard. Rebounded some on Friday. We don't know what the future holds, nor do we need to know. But the stock market does affect money people have. Jesus says, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or your body, what you will wear. Trusting him. See, we can worry about the stock market, but there are people in our nation that are out on the streets who can't even get into some churches or some other places that they normally would because of restrictions. And I don't say that to knock the amount we may have, but it doesn't only affect us. It's affecting a lot of people in the world in a variety of ways. And we who are knowing Christ and walking with him don't need to fear. In verse 28, why do you worry about your clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow and they do not labor or spin. Yet I know that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In the context of laying up treasure in heaven, in the context of living well in the world, don't worry. Verse 34 is so interesting. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Why are you taking today's strength and worrying about tomorrow when today has enough trouble of its own. So let's live in the present. Plan for the future, 
but not trying to dictate it. Living well in the present. Fear not. God is sovereign. We choose to trust him in the dark. We choose to recognize that we still live in a broken world. The Spirit intercedes for us. Christ intercedes for us. We choose to submit to authorities. And when we're tempted to fear and when we do fall into that rut of fear, we go to our shepherd and we seek him. We don't know what tomorrow holds but we know who holds tomorrow. Let's pray together. Father, our president here in our country has requested that we make today a national day of prayer. And we do want to pray in a variety of ways. I would pray for those who are making decisions, whether it be in a national level, a state level, local level, in this time that is very trying, that they may have wisdom in leading and making good decisions. And it's so easy for us as citizens to wonder why they decided this or that. We don't have the information they have. We're not responsible for their choices. But we do pray that they have wisdom and discernment. And we'll lead in a proper way, in the best possible way. May we as citizens heed their counsel, decisions they make, and accept them. And I know, Father, that there is a lot of blame that can go on when there's crisis in our world and in our country. I would desire that there might be a willingness on the part of leaders to lay aside blame and to keep a focus on what is wise for our country. And Father, even when we don't understand decisions that may be made, we don't want to be critical, we don't want to tear down. We may have an opinion and that is fine and we may talk about it at times. But may we be humble before you, Father, and seeking to live and respond in a way that will be pleasing you. Father, as people may express concern, the issue of what is going on in our world and in our country comes up, may we be people who are willing to listen ask questions, to share input in light of where they are. And may you give us opportunity to share the 
comfort we have that we can, as we rest in your sovereignty, we trust you in the darkness. And we recognize that we live in a broken and fallen world and that we seek to fear not. May we be able to share with others to encourage them to find you, to find strength in you. May we be good witnesses for you and how we live and how we respond. And as our lives are impacted and maybe our lives are inconvenienced and things aren't as we may have planned, we still, Father, want to live well, live in dependency upon you, and to have a profitable impact on those with whom we have contact. We surrender ourselves to you, grateful that you are sovereign. And it's our desire that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and understanding as believers in our country to know you, to experience you in this time. That we might grasp practically what it means to live in light of the fact that there is a power that is at work in us beyond what we can ask or comprehend. And in the process, reflect you. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.